0: Stand by me. If the sky that we look upon you yeah, tumble and fall, and the mountains crumble to the sea, I won't cry. No, I won't cry. No, I won't shed. A tear. Just as long as you stay, stand by me. So, darling, darling, stand by me. Oh, oh stay by me. Just stay, stand by me. Just stay, just stay, stand by me.
1: Work today. The microphone was not working today because I forgot to push the on button. Okay, welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. It's the 29th of January, 2021. And today is the day that... The Senate is having discussions because next week they need to talk impeachment. So like I said, when Nancy was like, yeah, we're going to like do this impeachment, told you it was going to be eight days. And today we're going to have some news on that. Now, I had a conversation with someone yesterday uh, pertaining to the stuff that we're doing in Ohio. I was monitoring the letter that was sent to CUP to see when it was signed for. It wasn't signed for yesterday. Uh, and it wasn't signed for early this morning, uh, but um, uh, hopefully it'll be signed for today. Uh, that way we can start the clock on him. Uh, now, during that discussion, uh, you know, I see that so many people are so pedestrian in the way they're still thinking. And I'm I'm sorry if this makes you feel bad, and you don't have to be a genius to understand this. But, uh, you know, if you can't see the duplicity in the administration right now, I can't open your eyes, and on top of that, when you know, I was, <laughs> I was in a, in a parallel combo that inspired me to say this, uh, to my friend. But um, they were like, so we're fighting this, and I'm like, a pff- losers fight. We already won. Think of it this way. I write this amazing script for an amazing movie. I already know how the story ends because I wrote it, right? But in order for the movie to actually come to that end, in order for that movie to have its peak, its trough, its sadness, you know, the whole cycle of heroes that we went over twice in the past year to reinforce it, everyone had to play their part. It's not like you're going to come out and you're going to be like, "Well, well, you know, this was all just to show you that sucks. People don't like to go on rides. It's kind of like if I came out, you know, on a, let's hypothetically say that I put together a psychological operation in another country, uh, did it for the good of the United States, and then the other people also benefited. And then I was like, you know, it was all planned. Your minds were kind of hijacked. You really wanted to embrace that technology and that. But see, it worked out. They'll be pissed. I'm just saying. So stop asking pedestrian questions and start looking at yourself. Because the only way something happens on a script that's been written, because we all know the end, <laughs> is by you doing your part, not sitting there and saying, "Well, um, I'm just going to sit here and, and and actually do nothing." Man, Ohio is going to be lit next week. We're going to be setting some serious fires. Um, I did introduce you guys to the idea of the retaliation. I, I, th- I think it was sometime November, October. Yeah, this whole retaliation thing. Obviously, Brennan came out and said it. Everybody wants to love Tulsi Gabbard right now. Great, because then we'll have crazy people like Code Pink, Cassandra, and all of these clowns and these IIAs latching onto her so they could just string you along because she says nice words. You know, kind of like the nice words that Lindsey Graham would say, <laughs> right? So, what is this? We're getting retaliated against on all fronts. I mean, man, I mean, whoever actually found that short of 121 billion and kind of suggested to a group of people hey, why don't you like, uh, stick it to them. Mean dang. That was some big comeback. But that you would say, well the person that Earwig did, hey, ever thought of doing this? Hey, this can do this. Hey, that could do that. I'm just saying think. They would say, well why would you do that if you knew that they were going to come after them? Don't worry, the whole world is watching. That's exactly what has to happen. I mean, you're not going to know what it's like to be hunted down by the very people you elect unless it happens. You can only imagine or or say, I can't fathom that. I mean, you would never in your right mind ever think that Peter Strzok's wife would be the head of the SEC or get some fancy position. Yeah, Look at that. What? It's not even been 10 days and Biden has destroyed this nation already getting really nice letters from a few AGs saying, dude, if you violate constitutional stuff, we're going to have to come at you. He's already been slapped with a lawsuit and he hasn't been in office for 10 days and nobody wants to get him. I mean, he's part of the swamp. But look what he's done. He's handed over our energy infrastructure to foreigners. Right? He's increased the prices of EpiPens. We all know what EpiPens can be used for, hence their scarcity. Jacked up that price, decided... What borders? Let's just all get along and we don't need borders. It's one world. He's done all that in under 10 days. And he has pissed off his own base. Oh, and not only that, all of the people that he's appointing, damn, you would think that the person that maybe earwig to these investors, hey, so you know this chick, she's gonna be uh Secretary of Treasury, right? And so she's got a big investment. And she's, you know, buddy, buddy with Citadel and all these. I mean, you know, if you did this, you'd make a crap ton of money. And so would a lot of other people. What do you say? And then suddenly all these Reddit investors are like, yo, that's not a bad idea. We can make a pretty coin if the people do it. And it's like, what? And suddenly they do it. And it's like, hmm, Reality Hack 101. It's called a game theory. So I wanted us before we delve into everything, so you can see that everything we've been saying on here has come to fruition. I think we should revisit another mm, instructional walkthrough on what game theory is. The winning, winning the game of life is is what they call it, because game theory can be implied in everything: your work life, your Politics, your statehood, your school, your blood life, you name it, game theories the game. Uh, <laughs> I want you guys to watch this slash listen to it. It's pretty interesting. And I want you to sit back and enjoy it and take it in the way it was meant to be.
2: Are you the type of person to analyze every second of the interaction you just had with someone for hours on end, or are you normal? Either way, you probably don't think all that hard about every single detail of the decisions you make in social situations. But, believe it or not, there's an entire scientific field that applies to social situations and decision making. We're talking about game theory. Game theory can be used to analyze both economic and social situations. It's essentially the science of strategy. And just like the reality of just trying to model, game theory can get really complicated. And yes, although game theory is relevant to games as we typically understand them, such as poker, most research in game theory focuses on how groups of people interact. Let's first define what a game is. So, what exactly is a game? It sounds like a stupid question, like, who doesn't know what a game is? But games, in the field of game theory, are a slightly different concept to what you might expect. When it comes to game theoretic analysis, A game constitutes any interaction between multiple people, where each person's payoff is affected by the decision made by others. Let's apply this definition of a game to a couple of... ...games. Is Sudoku a game? Well, in the traditional sense, sure. But in game theory... No. Sudoku is not a game. Sudoku is not a game because how you decide to complete the puzzle doesn't affect any other player. There is, after all, only one player in the game. You. What about Tic-Tac-Toe? Is that a game? Two players can play the game, and each box that is filled by one of the players affects the other player. Winning requires both players to respond optimally to what the other player is doing. So yes, it is a game. You could also have a situation where two shop owners choose from a finite number of positions where to strategically place their shops for maximum profit. They are each affected by what the other person does, since they may be opting for the same market, and there is certainly a win-lose situation here. So, even though placing your shop may not sound like much of a game, in the eyes of game theorists, it certainly is. Game theory is the study of games like these, and game theorists try to model games in a way that makes them easy to understand and analyze. I say easy, but a lot of games can end up having pretty similar properties or reoccurring patterns, and more often than not, things can get pretty complicated. Game theory has two main focuses, cooperative games and non-cooperative games. Most game theory models involve five conditions. It'd go something like this. First, each player has two or more choices or sequence of choices. Think of these like typical moves in a game, like moving a chess piece. Second, all possible combinations of decisions or plays result in a clear outcome. Basically, you can win or lose. Third, it's clear how you can win or lose, and participants will gain or lose something depending on the outcome. Fourth, the players know the rules of the game as well as the payoffs of other players meaning everyone is aware of what is desirable to the other players as well. And fifth, the players are rational and sensible people. Rational here means strictly that when they're faced with two alternatives, they'll choose the option that provides the greatest benefits. While players know the rules and their opponents' options, they don't know their opponents' actual decisions in advance. So players must choose options based on assumptions of what their opponents might choose. Some game theory scenarios are zero-sum games, meaning one player's win is another's loss, and vice versa. Others, however, allow mutual gains and losses. These games can involve multiple strategies. You can try to minimize the maximum losses another player can cause and make decisions based on probable outcomes. This all really just sounds a bit confusing, so here, just let me show you. If life is indeed a game, then the first rule is to be skeptical of other people's suggestions. As we said, if it's a game, someone else is going to be competing. So there's definitely going to be competition and sabotage. Perhaps a straightforward and well-known example is The Prisoner's Dilemma. The game goes like this. Two criminals are caught red-handed and are arrested. Each has two choices. They can each either stay quiet or testify against their friend. Upon arrest, they are each separated and offered a deal. Testify against your friend and will let you off the hook easy with one year in prison and give the other person 10 years. If both stay quiet, The cops can't really prove the more serious charges, and both criminals would spend only two years behind bars. If they both testify against each other, however, then both would get five-year prison sentences. At first glance, keeping quiet seems like the best strategy. If they both did this, they would both be out after just two years. But right before they're about to testify, one of the two thinks to himself, What if I stay quiet and the other guy rats me out? Without knowing what the other person is actually going to decide, it's a reasonable worry to have. The smartest solution to this would be to react in a way that is beneficial regardless of what the other person does. A Nash Equilibrium is actually a state in which no one person can improve, given what the others are doing. This means you're picking the best response to a particular strategy from your opponent. A quick analysis of the prisoner's dilemma reveals they would both most likely testify, which is the Nash Equilibrium for this problem. This is because regardless of what the other person does, testifying will lead to a maximum sentence of 5 years, with the potential for a 1 year sentence. Meanwhile, if you don't testify, you could end up with a 10-year term. It's easily the safest thing to do considering neither party knows what the other is going to do, even though both criminals are better off if they just stayed quiet. Here, the individual incentive wins over group interest. Testifying is a better option, because you know that you'll be in trouble if you stay quiet but your friend testifies. But if you can think of that, your friend can too. So he knows you're likely going to testify given that it's the safer option for you and you know he's likely going to testify too for the same reason, and you know that he knows that you're likely going to testify. You see the loop that's forming? These types of problems are examples of non-cooperative games, which means the two prisoners can't convey their intentions to each other. If they were able to talk to each other, however, we would be in a cooperative setting, and that would affect the likelihood of certain outcomes, as you can imagine. For example, it'd become much easier for them to agree beforehand that they're both just going to stay quiet. On the contrary, A coordination game is one in which everyone benefits from working together. There's no incentive for either party to cheat, since it will result in a worse outcome than if they just cooperated. A good example is driving on the correct side of the road. You win nothing by driving on the wrong side of the road. But sometimes, you lose without even playing. The principal agent problem is when one person is allowed to make decisions on behalf of another person. In this situation, the first person is likely to prioritize their own interests and pursue their own goals. And, well, yeah, that's the basis of modern politics. Game theory can also be applied to biology, though. In fact, its application in the field of biology has allowed biologists to answer a lot of questions about evolution, which is remarkable since game theory was never designed for this. For example, it's helped scientists explain biological altruism, where an organism acts in a way that is most favorable for the overall species, even if that action is harmful to itself. A bird might warn the rest of the group about the arrival of a predator, Doing so risks its own life since it essentially announces itself to the predator. But this trait can later help that bird, assuming it survives, of course, when other birds return the favor and warn it. These concepts might help you anticipate some of the strategies others might be using to get one over on you, but who really knows what they're thinking? The concept of guessing others' moves is what makes the game so tricky. While each player is likely to be certain about only their own move, they still have to speculate about other players' decisions. And more importantly, other player's conception of every other player's decisions. Essentially, you are no longer making a decision based on what you think is right. Rather, you're anticipating what your opponent thinks is right, and simply reacting to it. But then again, your opponent is doing the same exact thing. So who's really making the decision here? Whose mind is the actual decision being made in? Let's put it another way. Each player must know their own chance of coming out on top guess everyone else's chance, and also guess what everyone else is guessing about their own chances of winning. Not only this, but you also really need to be able to guess what other players are guessing about your guesses about them. And now look, we're confused again. Another problem is that, although game theory has many benefits, it would be impossible to properly apply it in all situations. There will be times where rationality might not offer the right solutions, or where a mutual benefit might not be the most ideal outcome. When you come up against these, You have to not only recognize them, but then also decide whether using game theory would be the most helpful way to deal with the situation. By then, the moment could already be gone. The assumption that everyone is going to be rational, a basic premise of game theory, is also a really risky one. Humans can be extremely unpredictable and emotional, and this makes the guessing work near impossible. There's a ton of real-life examples that illustrate the basic concepts of game theory. Apple and Samsung are involved in an endless game of advertising. It's not like either company needs to advertise. Besides, advertising can get extremely expensive. So why not just forego this task altogether and use the money for research and development? If both companies did this, then we'd probably have better phones by now. But sure enough, Apple banks on the possibility of Samsung advertising and gaining an edge over the market. And Samsung does the same. And that possibility soon turns into a certainty you and I have all come to accept. Now, this is an extremely simplistic example that bypasses many other variables but you see the basic concept. Another good everyday example can be found in the treatment of public goods and property. If everyone decides to be good citizens and not litter, society benefits as a whole. But you're inevitably going to come up against one or more people who choose to essentially go rogue and behave selfishly by littering. This leads to society as a whole bearing the cost of cleaning up, all the while making not littering a less worthwhile decision. After all, if the road's already littered, the work to not litter is that much less meaningful. You can probably now see how applicable this is to other situations in life. Like, every big important decision we're supposed to be fixing, but more on that later. As interesting as it is, game theory can still only analyze simple situations with well-defined constraints. And you must remember that any model is a subset of reality, no matter how good it is. It's essentially intellectual guesswork. The bottom line? We're all constantly in the game. It's pretty impossible not to be. Our lives are endlessly and unavoidably impacted by the actions and decisions made by others. So you might as well play the game the best you can. And that interaction you spent hours analyzing after the other person has already long forgotten it, maybe it's not such a bad thing after all. We're just trying to win the game of life. And the reason to win is so that you can be free of it.
1: How is that?
2: Game theory is complicated. And I don't think it's something you're consistently aware of. It takes time to truly understand. And there's even more scenarios than just the ones I've mentioned that you'll encounter pretty often. It has roots in mathematics, statistics, and probability. If you're interested in things like this, then Brilliant is for you. Brilliant is a problem-solving site that helps you...
1: So how was that telling you how everything's a game? See, what people need to understand is... Uh, Yes, this is about your life. Yes, this is about our future. But in the end, it's all about a game. It's being able to predict how the other will react. I mean, what are the odds that we already know how they were going to react to everything? Ah, now that's because game theory. Or mm, the more fancy way to say it is predictive analytics or fancy math or time machine or whatever. Right? Right? Where does it all get down to, though? Fly eagles, fly. Have you ever heard about the song? No. Here we go. What? Where is it? There it is. Fly eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fly, fly. fly eagles, fly score a touchdown. One, two, three,
0: four. In the blue, in all Eagles fly, fly, Eagles fly, on the road to victory. Eagles!
1: That's what's up. We're flying to victory, right? Well, we've already achieved it. You just don't see it yet. Because every little thing, every little nudge, every little push that they've received, they've responded to very well. So, actually. The fear porn is gaining up. Here's the new new fear porn is creeping. Uh, What they're going to tell you is going to happen. So today we're going to visit a time in history that we call the uh, Great Depression. The Great Depression. This is what they're telling you is happening. Oh, dear. Everyone's going to lose their money. Oh, dear. This is the Great Depression. Well, here's a snippet of it. Under one minute, and then we'll get into the more elaborate explanation, because it's very important that we understand what the Great Depression really was, and then think about it in today's uh, application. You know, you know what's hilarious? They never thought that they would lose control. None of them. They never believed for a moment. The Democrats and the Republicans that they would be without control for the past four years. The most pedestrian approach was this is Republicans versus Democrats. Oh dear. It's not Mockingbird 101.
3: The great depression was a dramatic worldwide economic calamity, which started in 1929 and lasted until the late thirties. Most people believe it begun with the U S stock market collapse of October, 1929 by 1932. U.S. stocks were only worth 20% of what they were prior to the crisis. And one year later, almost half of all United States banks had failed. By 1935, roughly 750,000 farms had been lost to bankruptcy or distress sales. European countries, debilitated by the debt they've accumulated due to World War I, dealt with a severe depression and a sovereign debt crisis ultimately emerged. In Germany, for example, Unemployment reached 25%, and among other things, this economic disaster led to Hitler's Nazi Party becoming the top political actor after the 1932 elections. Worldwide trade was devastated by the Great Depression. With countries engaging in so-called trade wars by limiting imports, and by the same year, 1932, global trade crashed to half of the pre-crisis volume. Unfortunately, trade wars degenerated into an actual armed conflict, which caused over 60 million deaths, World War II. Make no mistake, most wars have been caused by economic factors to a very large degree. Let's learn from the past and not let this happen again.
1: Ha! That's skewed history, super skewed history. See, this is the history they want you to know. Now, let's go on to what was life actually like during the Great Depression? It's quite important that people know this. Why? Because then you'll see how it applies here. What you've been going through for the past four years is that little hump, and we're going to go through it in (laughs) less than 30 days. And that's what's incredible. 30 days is what they have decided to offer us to go through all these pains. 30 days. Pretty insane. Actually, extremely insane. But what can we do? Is there something that we can do to avoid this? Is there something that we can say to avoid this? I fear not. Wow. So I don't know what's going on with my system, but I don't think someone wants me explaining the Great Depression right now. Um... I'm just going to wait and see where this goes. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. And hmm, I see. I see. All right. Can you guys hear me? That was pretty interesting. That was very interesting. Can you guys hear me? Let's see. My back. My back. Okay. That was very interesting. Um, I guess nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. I don't know when it dropped off, but I could tell you what. <laughs> still not going to stop me from continuing today's uh, show, which is quite important uh, to end the week. We're going to talk about the Great Depression. If it stops doing this to me, if it'll let me actually broadcast, it's driving me insane right now. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not, but I, I could tell you it's it's really driving me insane right now. <laughs> it's really driving me insane right now. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. I'm just going to Keep on waiting to see if this thing will actually respond. just doesn't want to. Wow. Wow. Just me saying wow. All right. There we go. Is this thing on? (laughs) Let's find it. There we go. Boom. All right. I think we're back online. Put up the little firewall thingy. Hopefully, it'll work. Now, sit back and while you're listening to this, I want you to think how this applies to you today.
4: You look around the New York Stock Exchange as chaos ensues. Two people run directly into each other, sending the memos and sales orders they're carrying into the air. The important documents float down to the ground like delicate snowflakes, only to be trampled a moment later by businessmen running for the door. All is lost, someone yells. This is the end, a banker shouts from the mob trying to escape the mayhem. Black Thursday is upon you. The Great Depression is in full force. The closing bell rings. Stock trading comes to an end on Thursday, October 24, 1929. Sweat pours down your face as you wipe your brow with the back of your arm. Your fingers are torn, blood trickles from the hundreds of paper cuts you received while making deals and exchanging documents. 12.9 million shares were traded throughout the day, and your sales only made up a minuscule portion of it. You tried to buy low and sell high, but the high never came. Prices of stocks just kept plummeting. You stuff your documents into your briefcase and exit out onto Wall Street. You need a stiff drink. Unfortunately, it's the time of prohibition and alcohol is illegal. Time to go to a speakeasy. You walk into a barber shop. Hey, Bill, you say to the man cutting your hair. You give him a polite nod. He frowns at you and your overstuffed briefcase. Bill knew what was coming from the stories the Wall Street guys told him during the haircuts. He made a wise choice and sold his stocks a few weeks prior to the crash. Bill didn't get the best return on his investment, but at least his money was out of the stock market. You walk past the row of barber chairs and into the phone booth at the back of the shop. You dial 1933 and wait. There's the sound of a bolt unlatching, and the back of the phone booth opens up to a dark, smoke filled room. Businessmen sit at the tables in the hidden speakeasy, smoking cigars and drinking bootleg liquor. Everyone needs a drink after the stock market crash today. Unfortunately, things were only going to get worse. You sit at an empty table alongside the hardwood wall. As your body relaxes into the chair, you let out a heavy sigh. You signal one of the servers that you're ready for a drink. As you wait, one of the gangsters that owns the establishment makes his way over to you. He saunters up to the table with a big smile on his face. Business is good for the crime bosses during this time. They're making huge amounts of money off of bootlegging alcohol. They've also been loaning out money to those in need of it. The gangster stands over you, the smile never leaving his face. I heard it wasn't a great day at the stock market, he says. Don't forget, payment on your loan is still due at the end of the month, with interest. The gangster places his hand heavily on your shoulder, showing he means what he says, and there will be consequences if you don't comply. Like so many others during this time, you're in a desperate need of money to dig yourself out of a financial hole. Seeing themselves as good businessmen, the crime bosses use your desperation as an opportunity. They increase their enterprises in loan sharking and labor racketeering. Basically what the banks were doing, but under a different name. And when the banks did it, it was illegal. Since half the banks are closed in the U.S., you need somewhere else to get a loan. Gangsters have been picking up the slack. They're happy to loan you money, with unbelievable amounts of interest, of course. After your unpleasant conversation with a gangster, your drink arrives. You spot one of your fellow bankers entering the speakeasy. You signal him to come sit. He plops down in the chair across from you. What happened today, you ask. Black Thursday, the banker responds. He reaches out and snags a shot of grain alcohol from the tray of a server walking by. He downs it in one gulp. That stuff will make you go blind, he warned. He looks at you, reaches down, grabs your drink, and knocks it back. Worse things could happen, he says. And worse things did happen. The Great Depression touched every life in the United States and caused people all over the world to suffer. It was a time of unsure futures and loss. What happened? What caused the stock markets to crash and the American way of life to crumble? How did 15 million Americans lose their jobs and nearly half of the country's banks fail? Like many economic disasters, there were several different reasons. The decade before the Great Depression was given the name the Roaring Twenties. Things were good in the US. World War I was over and the economy received a nice boost from wartime production. US businesses expanded rapidly and the country's wealth more than doubled during this time. Business was good and everyone wanted a piece of the action. Citizens invested in the stock market. Whether you were a railroad tycoon or just someone working on the railroad, you put your money into the stock market. Money poured into the New York Stock Exchange. Everything was great, until it wasn't. The agricultural sector had fallen behind and began to collapse during the 1920s. The average businessman and factory worker had no idea that farmers were struggling to keep their land and maintain crop production. But the failings of the agricultural sector started to lead to higher prices for food. Even with these high prices, the farmers couldn't keep up. They started to panic. But the government didn't want to hear it while the economy was doing so well. Maybe they should have listened to the farmers a little more closely. Politicians were not the only ones living on cloud nine. Banks were giving out loans like money grew on trees. The government wasn't regulating them, so they were free to give and take money as they pleased. Bad investments were made, but who cared? There was always another opportunity right around the corner. Unfortunately, working wages had not kept up with the huge profits the banks and corporations were making. People started to borrow and borrow and borrow. They would spend the money banks gave so generously out, but had no way to repay the loans and the hefty interest that went along with it. Money kept pouring into the stock market, but it was money that the buyers didn't really have. Stock prices were inflated and in excess of their real value. Then it happened investors and consumers got a glimpse of what was on the horizon and lost confidence in the stock market. Everyone wanted out all at once. That is when Black Thursday and the subsequent crash of the New York Stock Exchange led to the years known as the Great Depression. The United States was not the only country affected by the stock market collapse. International trade was still recovering from World War I. Many European countries relied heavily on American sales and investment income. They also owed the United States huge sums of money in loans that had been given to help Europe rebuild after much of the continent and the people living there were ravaged by the war. The United States needed money, Europe didn't have any to give, and the money the world was making off the lucrative United States stock market went to ashes overnight. The world economy was on the brink of collapse. But what about you? What about the average citizen? What was life like for someone who had invested heavily in the stock market and lost everything? It was not pleasant to say the least you return home after another long day of looking for a job you are covered in dust and sweat from walking since sunrise you've gone to every open factory but no one needs more help business is not booming and we already are at capacity for workers this is the story that the average american citizen was told when looking for work even manual labor jobs are hard to come by and we do find one They pay pennies. The government had been creating public works jobs and employing thousands of people, but even the government doesn't have enough money to pay their workers, and layoffs ensue. When you aren't looking for jobs, you're standing in line for soup kitchens. Everyone is hungry. Relief organizations cannot secure enough food because of the failing agricultural industry. The lines for soup kitchens span city blocks. Even if you wait in them an entire day, there's no guarantee they'll have any food left when you reach the front of the line. Massive marches are organized to force greedy bankers and the government to provide more public services. Protesters set up camp outside the government buildings because they have nowhere else to go. Everyone needs support, and those who still have money are not willing to let it go to help the common person. Unfortunately, poverty and hunger are not the only things to plague American citizens during the Great Depression. Disease such as tuberculosis is unchecked. The healthcare infrastructure in the United States is underfunded, and there are not enough trained doctors and nurses. If you get sick you either live with your illness or you die there is little or no hope of getting help the winters are cold and harsh causing vast numbers of homeless and sick people to freeze during these months life expectancy and birth rates drop because there just aren't enough resources to support the elderly or newborns it's a time of tragedy in the family life of united states citizens you and your family begin to pass the time by going to weekly shows every sunday shirley temple plays on the big screen If the show is not free, you can always just sneak in. The community tries their best to support one another, and if someone falls ill, others try to help in any way they can. This could be something as simple as giving pieces of coal to warm up an apartment or handing over a few cents that might be spared if they are lucky enough to have a job. Life is hard during the Great Depression, but people will band together to try to get through it. Without the support of the community, no one will make it. Not all populations were affected in the same way. Although there were some wage policies put in place for white working men, black men were not afforded the same treatment. Farm and manual labor jobs that black men worked at had no minimum wages. Therefore, when times got hard, business owners could drop the wages to unlivable levels but people had to work even if it was for next to nothing. Black communities were not given the same relief packages from the government as white communities due to discrimination practices with local governments. Despite all of this tragedy, there was a beacon of light on the horizon for black citizens. Under the Roosevelt administration, there was what came to be known as the Black Cabinet, led by Mary McLeod Bethune. Bethune was a champion for racial and gender equality. As Roosevelt's Director of Negro Affairs of the National Youth Administration, She ensured that every New Deal agency had a black advisor on it. The number of African Americans working in government tripled under her leadership. Civil rights still had a long way to go, but it was through Bethune's passion for equality and hard work that strides were made during the Great Depression to make the country more equitable for everyone. There was one group of Americans who actually gained more jobs during the Great Depression. The number of employed women rose by 24 percent. The marriage rates during the Great Depression decreased by 22 percent. Nobody could afford to date or start a family without money or a job, and this in turn led to large amounts of single women looking for employment to support themselves and their families. Jobs available to women such as nursing, teaching, and domestic work were still in demand. The messed up part of the system, though, was that the government's wage code set lower wages for women than men. By law, employers could pay women less than men for the exact same job during this time. Unfortunately, although these wage codes were abandoned and now everyone under the law should receive equal pay, remnants of these policies from the Great Depression still plague working women in America today. Toward the end of the 1930s, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and his New Deal policies began to restore the country to normalcy. Relief packages and regulations allowed the banks to begin to recover and companies to provide more jobs. Then World War II began. Wartime is always lucrative for the United States industries. Businesses ramped up wartime production. This created more jobs and money. Funds from abroad began to flow into the United States economy, as foreign nations paid for equipment and products to fight the war. It is sad in a way that war leads to profits, but it may have been what saved the United States from the Great Depression. The 1930s were a rough time in the United States, to say the least. There were practically no high-paying jobs, and the average American lost everything. Without the support of community and relief organizations, millions more would have died. The Great Depression should be a warning that loose regulations and poor government oversight can lead to disaster. Until recent events, the United States economy was growing rapidly. It is eerily similar to the growth that the stock exchange enjoyed during the roaring 20s. It may be time to take a step back and make sure that banks and businesses are following sustainable practices. Economic growth is not necessarily a precursor to a stock market crash, But it is always good to make sure that stock prices actually reflect the true value of companies instead of an inflated value. Unrealistic stock prices could cause the stock market to pop and crash in the blink of an eye.
1: So, as you can see, the history they're telling you is partial. But the key is, is if uh, there's prices reflecting a company's status that are inflated and doesn't reflect what the stock market wants, then oh dear, the stock market's going to crash. So what happened? In a nutshell, when the market crashed, they created the Federal Reserve in order to grab the reins of the economy and regulate it. But see, what happens when you crash their market the way you want it? What happens when you make them broke when you want it? What happens? You throw a wrench in their game. See, again, they did not think that they would lose control. Hmm. These are the revelations you're starting to see. While there are many other things, (laughs) this is all really a very nicely well-thought-out game by the people. Now, a lot of people will say, well, if this was it, then so-and-so wouldn't say this, and this wouldn't be like this, and we look like chumps, and this happened. I've always said, follow the money. And I've also always said that uh, it's really important to keep state secrets. Now, many people will say state secrets. That's a, that's a big blanket of uh, going to nowhere. You're not allowed to see anything with state secrets. You're not allowed to know anything with state secrets. You're not allowed to see anything. Well, you're not the underdog. So here's where <laughs> I let you in on some really special information so that you can understand how state secrets are different, very, very different, uh, in the case of the Supreme Court. I've said the Supreme Court is quite important. I think the most important case ever heard actually created a few years ago quite interesting the case is uh reynolds versus the united states i believe i believe this is the right video we're going to know in a second when it starts because i'm kind of moving blind here today let's see yes
5: george reynolds of utah was a secretary in the church of jesus christ of later day saints or the mormon or lds church A law has been passed in Congress in 1862 known as the Moral Anti-Bigamy Act that banned bigamy and polygamy, which is marriage to two or more people in federal territories such as Utah. Despite this act, polygamy and bigamy were still practiced and even encouraged by the Mormon church at the time.
6: The Mormons believed that the Anti-Bigamy Act violated their First Amendment right to practice their religion freely, which resulted in George Reynolds coming forward and announcing that he would sacrifice himself for the church. Reynolds was soon arrested for marrying two women at once and was sentenced to two years of hard labor. His imprisonment was upheld by the Utah Territorial Courts and eventually reached the Supreme Court in 1878.
5: Key question, do anti-polygamy laws violate the First Amendment Free Exercise Clause if polygamy is a religious practice?
6: Reynolds and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints argued that the law encroached upon their right to practice their religion without restriction because polygamy was part of Mormonism at the time. The Supreme Court unanimously agreed that polygamy was unlawful, despite Reynolds' argument that it was his duty to practice marriage to multiple women as a Mormon. Chief Justice Morrison-Waite delivered the majority opinion. Congress cannot pass a law for the government of territories which shall prohibit the free exercise of religion. The First Amendment to the Constitution expressly forbids such legislation. Congress was deprived of all legislative power over mere opinion but was left free to reach actions which were in violation of social duties or subversive of good order.
5: In other words,
6: the Moral Anti-Bigamy Act did not conflict with the First Amendment's free exercise clause, but that polygamy itself was immoral and harmful. While not explicitly banned in the Constitution, polygamy was outlawed in Old English law, which American common law is based upon. The act may have been targeted toward the LDS Church, but Congress was careful enough not to explicitly state so effectively avoiding claims of religious persecution
5: the supreme court's decision in reynolds v. united states proved to create a powerful precedent that is used in many decisions today that religion cannot be used as a defense for unlawful acts the free exercise clause of the first amendment does not extend to protecting illegal activity even if it is part of a religion for example someone who commits arson cannot use their religion to argue their case
6: Overall, Reynolds v. United States was a famous case that established an important precedent of religious offense being useless when prosecuted for a crime. The Supreme Court recognized the limits to the protection the Bill of Rights provided for citizens and understood where the line should be drawn for religious groups. This case also sparked another debate between the LDS Church and the United States, whether or not religion should be allowed to own property. Without this precedent being established, the legal system could easily be thwarted by religious groups who get away with breaking the law today.
1: So these students put together this presentation. Now, it's not because I'm advocating for bigamy, but what did you see that they said? They said, let me go to that statement, that this precedent says that your religion cannot be used as a defense for unlawful acts. Now, what is unlawful? Well, wait till you see what Joe Biden has up his sleeve. That's going to terrify you. But I want you to know that the Supreme Court Had a very fabulous case a long, long time ago that um, gave military intelligence and their assets and those that are hidden under state secrets more power than any congressional overseen body, more power than the NSA, more power than the CIA, more power than the FBI. Why do I say this? Well, because the only one that can command such a group is the President of the United States. Now, I've said many, many times that a lot can happen in a second, in a minute, in 10 minutes. Look at what happened in 10 days, right? And a lot has happened in the past four years that you have not been able to see. In order to effectively have this moment of, oh my gosh, this is really it. You've got to live the this is really it moment. And you have to accept it and you have to see it and you have to get angry and you have to fight it. That's the way it is. And here is a fight that's going to be fought really, really quickly now. Because people are calling to get people arrested for what happened on Wall Street. They want regulations, they want prosecutions, and they want to examine the power of social media. None other than Sagar and Jetty, another clown, who so nicely put it that, see, we had riots at the Capitol because of social media. We need to start regulating, 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 regulating. This is where it goes. We said it right here. Before they even came out with their narrative, we were talking about it because it's all part of the script.
7: It's excited me in a long time, covering the pandemic and Trump and Stop the Steal and Capitol riots and the Biden presidency. It's been a real bummer. And I have not felt a pep in my step like this in many months. And it is now thanks to a bunch of Redditors going after the people I despise the most in our society, speculators on Wall Street. By now, I'm sure that you're all familiar with the story. Hedge funds and billionaires took out a massive short position on the company called GameStock. A band of Redditors on a subreddit called Wall Street Bets called their bluff, drove the stock up to the tune of thousands of percentile more to force those hedge funds to liquidate billions of dollars in losses, while the merry band of Redditors gets rich. It's the ultimate David and Goliath story. Underemployed and unemployed, sitting at home in their pajamas, using the power of the internet and new trading platforms like Robinhood to destroy the kings of American finance. We are never going to go back to the old ways of doing business. And Wall Street knows this. So what's their solution? It's one that we, my friends, must resist absolutely at all costs. Now they know that they do not have a monopoly on manipulating the market they are going to do everything in their power to go after you and people like me who are not on the side of the billionaire elite. As I laid out yesterday, they are already going to overdrive on CNBC, who started off yesterday by inviting the literal CEO of the NASDAQ on to call for more regulation. Let's take a listen to that again.
3: One of the things that we're talking about is maybe misinformation and and, uh, pump and dumps, and it's occurring on social media again. It just I'm wondering whether it's part of the same problem, the type of regulation that that, uh, that we finally need to uh, to consider. And like I said, uh, we should always have a light touch with regulation, but you're, you're seeing the way things can get started again. This is different. Maybe it's Reddit. Maybe
1: it's not. He's so pissed. They lost so much money. So much money. Right. Oh, man. What good earwigs and a nice cigarette does. See, this is how you get them. You follow the money. And you put in the right earwigs. You only put a suggestion in, right? Because we speak what is to come, always. Now, Tucker, (laughs) Tucker, of course, had a great night last night because the guy he had on was asking to uh, jail people for doing this. He wants to jail you for making money and them losing money. Man, what a nice conversation. Do you know that my karma... On one of my accounts in Reddit is like negative 99. I kid you not.
8: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Quite a day in financial markets, not a phrase we use a lot on this show, but a lot happened today and there are massive implications for all of us. Dave Portnoy joins us in a moment to explain what those are, but first some context for what we're watching right now. Last March, as the country began to panic about the arrival of a strange new coronavirus from China, a billionaire called Bill Ackman went on television in an attempt to make America even more afraid than it already was. Our economy may be done at this point, he said. Over, dead, not coming back. Bill Ackman went on like this for 28 full minutes. Terrified CNBC viewers watched Slackjaw as he ranted. Here's part of his performance.
3: Hell is coming. This was a feeling like I've never had. Like there's a tsunami coming, (laughs) right? The tsunami's coming and you feel it in up. the air, right? The tide starts to roll out, okay? And on the beach, people are playing and having fun like there's nothing going on. And that is the feeling I've had for the last two months.
1: Yeah, you better. Wait till you see what else comes, right? That's how it goes. Wait, wait till you see what else comes. There's more coming, more coming, more. Now, this is an old, like, just, just watch. This is, this is how you fight.
3: OK, and, and my colleagues at work okay, thought I was a lunatic. We need to shut it down now. America will end as we know it, OK? I'm sorry to say so, OK? Unless we take this option.
8: Bill Ackman was afraid, and he wanted you to be afraid. Ackman was especially frightened for the future of Hilton Hotels. Hilton Hotels, Ackman proclaimed, quote, is going to zero along with every other hotel company in the world. Every hotel is going to be shut down in the country. Every one. Talk about scary. But in the end, not for Bill Ackman. Not long after that appearance, we learned that Ackman's firm had made more than $2 billion from trading in the stocks that many people believed he had pushed down with the hysterically dire predictions you just saw, including Hilton Hotels. So was Ackman's rant on CNBC part of a very dishonest investment strategy. Seemed pretty obvious, so we said so on the air. Ackman's lawyers immediately threatened to sue us. In a long phone conversation later, Ackman swore to us that his public attack on Hilton hotels had nothing at all to do with his desire to buy hotel stocks at a lower price or with the billions in profit that his firm subsequently reported. There was no connection whatsoever, he promised, and he sounded emotional as he said it. We'll let you assess Bill Ackman's sincerity. We do know that this kind of behavior is common on Wall Street. Ackman himself once attacked the company Herbalife on television. It's going to zero. He once again predicted in an effort to profit from Herbalife's decline. Pretty ugly. But that kind of thing happens a lot on Wall Street. Hedge fund managers bet money that a specific stock will decline in value. That's called short selling. Short selling has no obvious value to the American economy. Short selling exists for the purpose of enriching the people who do it. Short selling hurts companies, obviously. It hurts their investors, hurts their employees. Ultimately, it hurts our country itself. Yet it continues. No one does anything about short selling. Regulators ignore it. CNBC applauds the brilliance of the people who do it. Oh, they're so clever, those hedge fund managers. In fact, NBC's business channel regularly lends its airwaves to unscrupulous short sellers who use Free TV airtime, you may have seen this, to tank American companies for profit. They do that all the time. The last administration did nothing to stop this. The current administration certainly won't. The Biden White House is more tightly controlled by business interests than any administration in history. Virtually every person there is beholden to the finance establishment. What's happening on Wall Street is so clearly awful and so obviously destructive. The question is, who's going to fight back against it? As it turns out, a bunch of guys on Reddit will.
9: Guys. It fell
8: to them to push back against the short sellers because no one else even tried. So they did. A group of independent investors in a Reddit group called Wall Street Bets learned that hedge funds planned to short the stock of a fading retail company called GameStop.
1: Wonder how they found out.
8: So the Reddit investors began buying shares of GameStop. And GameStop <laughs> surged in value, ultimately up by more than 1,000%. The hedge funds, for all their calculation, hadn't seen that coming and they lost billions as a result of it. One hedge fund lost so much money, it needed a bailout from two other hedge funds. Meanwhile, some of the investors on Reddit got rich, but getting rich was not the whole reason they did. They also wanted to send a message to the hedge fund managers. Here's one of the Reddit guys, a man called Justin Speak, explaining.
7: I'd be lying to say if there wasn't some pleasure out of the fact, you know, I'm a pastor and Jesus tells a story about this rich fool who has an overabundant harvest that's more than he can store. And rather than give the excess to those in need, he chooses to build bigger and bigger barns to store it for himself. And rather than share the billions with the less fortunate, they've built bigger and bigger barns for themselves. And so, yeah, I was a hundred percent. There was a part of me that thought, well, it will be fun to be a part of this moment, to see this moment where at some level overnight, these investors are losing their investing lives. It's being demanded from them. Uh, and they're left wondering what what they get, what who's going to get what they had prepared for
8: themselves. Setting
1: fire to rain.
7: They've built bigger barns for
8: themselves. Well, that's true. Not to mention epically enormous art collections. The hedge fund people, in case you haven't noticed, in case you don't read the business press, are very proud of their art collections, very aggressively, flamboyantly proud, despite the fact that a lot of their so-called art is ugly, overpriced garbage, cheap, garish crap that people will laugh at a generation from now. And that tells you a lot. It turns out that a lot of our financial wizards have awful taste. They're as vulgar as the way they do business. They don't know that though, because no one dares tell them in a country that worships finance people. They're the kind of rich people who still think Frank Geary is a brilliant architect, not a scam artist. So people like that, arrogant, lacking any self-awareness whatsoever, understandably generate some resentment from the rest of the population. They pause and say, wait a second, Bill Ackman, and the many people on Wall Street who behave like Bill Ackman, what exactly did you do to make $2 billion? Did you improve
1: anything? No, he's this his clout to set things up. Now, here's where it gets funny. You know, just one person earwigging, hey, by the way, you know, there's, there is $121 billion shorting it. I mean, it would totally make you a shit ton of money if you bought it. I'm just saying because they'd beg you to buy it back. That would be part of, you know, Q, Q Act
8: Two. Turns out that what Wall Street really hates is outsider trading. The idea that people from outside their world might be getting rich. That's the one sin they can't abide. The management of Robinhood, of course, didn't admit any of this, they can't. They're still posing instead as an outpost of inclusive progressive values in a sea of rapacious capitalism. The irony being, of course, Robinhood is the most rapacious. They sell information they gather from their customers to the hedge funds Steal who use it for the- their advantage and most customers don't even know.
1: No, see, the, the beauty of this is who was is Hood? He stole from the rich to get the poor richer, didn't he? I mean, I'm just saying, setting fire to the rain, you felt it in the air, right?
8: How's that for progressive? On the other hand, they do support BLM, They're against hate and systemic racism. They're for science, and they want you to know that. Here's an ad from Robin Hood that ran just last month.
3: Remember when greed was good? When you had to look the part? When you had to pay for a seat at the table? We set out to change it the way the system works, to put the power in everyone's hands. To make it feel, speak, sound, and look just like you. We all invest every day in ourselves, our communities, our future.
5: We
1: are all investors.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they told me I couldn't be one last month. And I was just like, what? All right, uh, let's play. It's
8: so fun to watch that stuff after the fact. That ran a month ago. We set out to change the way the system works, says Hood well that's for sure in fact that's literally true robin hood changed the system at precisely the moment when people from outside the system started benefiting from the system sorry proles no trading for you we're locking your account
1: they locked mine they closed mine they didn't even ask me and last month i had that battle with them what's going on oh you wanted to change your name you need to close it and reopen it well what about all my stuff yeah we'll figure it out uh you know it's not a lot i had like 300 bucks in there but What do you mean you'll figure it out? How are you going to figure it out? The account that I had on there is no longer there. Please explain to me. I'm just the, I'm not an institution. Help me out here. I don't have a lot, but I have that penny stock that just made me, you know, some money. It was $300 that I put in and that thing had gone up. Where's my money? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Guess what? I got to pay a lawyer for that too now. And I was like, Robin Hood. You suck. I'm in D.C. right now, and I've got stuff to do, and you're telling me, you know, you can't have this account, and you need to open up a new one, and we're not going to transfer it. You know, you'll just do it. I was, I was really soft. I was upset with Robin Hood, very upset.
8: Other platforms took effectively the same position, but felt the need to pretend a little more than Robinhood did. They justified changing the rules by attacking the very people they were hurting by changing the rules. The communication service Discord, for example, banned users from the Wall Street Bets group from using its platform. Why'd they do that? It wasn't all because the Reddit guys were beating the hedge fund guys at their own grubby game. That's not allowed. No, it had nothing to do with that, of course. No, instead, they were banned, according to Discord, because the Reddit guys had engaged in, quote, hate speech. Of course. The Reddit guys were racists.
1: That's when he humiliated the hedge funds.
8: Only a racist would do that.
1: Don't you just love the uh, uh, emoji? Hold on. Let's go here. Here we go.
8: Obviously, that's coming. It's inevitable. But they started their defense of big finance a little more tactfully than that. The problem with humiliating hedge funds, explained anchor and professional hedge fund shill, Andrew Ross Sorkin, is that in the end, humiliating hedge funds only hurts the people who do it. So for their own good, they might want to stop this nonsense immediately.
6: What I'm concerned about is that this is a a pump and dump scheme that effectively is being cloaked, uh, you know, as Mother Teresa has arrived on the scene. I think there are real underlying issues with the system that need to be resolved. I do not want to protect the system. I I love Mm -hmm. watching the little guy beat the big guy as much as anybody. But what I wonder is whether Uh, these folks trying to, quote, unquote, stick it to the man are
8: ultimately going to be sticking it to themselves. (laughs) How? They only hurt themselves with their scheme. Not at all like what the guests on this channel do. This is a scheme. And Andrew Ross Sorkin is deeply concerned about this scheme. He's just really, really worried.
1: He should be. You know, because I was telling him, did you just change the rules on me? You can't change the rules. We didn't change any rules. (laughs) Well, you will. And you did.
8: That average people might be hurt by this scheme. He can barely sleep thinking about it. He was so fraught with anxiety last night, he was almost late to Soul Cycle this morning. That's how much he tossed and turned beneath his goose down duvet as he pondered the fate of America's beleaguered class, which is hilarious. But even if you were to believe it, it's a little late, honestly. Where was Andrew Ross Sorkin for the last dozen years as the central bank shoveled trillions to Wall Street, thereby enriching a few, devaluing the American dollar, guaranteeing hyperinflation and, of course, destroying the value of the average person's savings. Did Indra Sorkin even notice that any of that happened? The Reddit guys noticed. That's why they're mad. Janet Yellen might have something interesting to say about all of this. Janet Yellen ran the Federal Reserve for years, beginning under Barack Obama. As much as any single person on Earth, Janet Yellen is responsible for creating the distorted financial system that made the Reddit revolt possible indeed inevitable. So where is Janet Yellen now? And what does she have to say for herself? Oh, yeah. As of last week, <laughs> Jenny Yellen is Joe Biden's Treasury Secretary. And poor. Here's what Joe Biden's flack had to say yesterday about Janet Yellen.
7: So what I was concerned about the stock market activity we're seeing around GameStop, um, and now with some other stocks as well, uh, including the, the subsidiary or whatever, the, the company that was uh, Blockbuster. Um, and have there been any conversations with the F- SEC about uh, how to proceed?
10: Well, um, I'm also happy to repeat that we have the first female treasury secretary and a team that's
1: surrounding her. And Okay, let me just stop right there. Chucky is really getting to me. You guys just keep those Chucky memes going. Um, we don't. She, is she really a female? I don't know how she identifies, but I could tell you how she is identifying right now. She's super damn broke after what happened.
10: Often questions about market, we'll send
1: to them. But our team is, of course, our economic team, including Secretary Yellen and others, are monitoring uh, the
10: situation. It's a good reminder, though, that the stock market isn't the only measure of the health of our, econo- of our economy. It doesn't reflect how working and middle class families are doing.
8: So as her first answer, Jen Psaki is, quote, happy to repeat that Janet Yellen is the first female Treasury Secretary. Let's translate. Actually, Jenny Yellen has nothing to say about Reddit or GameStock short selling, or even the dangerously corrupt condition of American finance more broadly. She hasn't thought about those things, probably doesn't even care. Jenny Yellen herself has made millions from hedge funds, including from funds that lost money to the Reddit guys. But whatever, buzz off. We'd like to remind you that Jenny Yellen is a woman, and so are many of the people around her. These brave leaders have broken glass ceilings. They are empowered, and that's enough. We can't give you an answer. We won't improve your life, but we do have diversity, so you should be happy. That's their position. (laughs) Has there ever been in all human history a clearer distillation of the essence of neoliberalism than that? Probably there never has been. Maybe at this point, people will start to catch on to the game. Suddenly, people are catching on to a lot of things, it looks like. Looking back, we may see the Reddit guys and their effective defense of GameStop as a kind of turning point in this country's history. Whatever our current system is, it is definitely not the capitalism we were promised. Not even close. One of the rare people in media who understands this is our next guest. He's the founder of Barstool Sports, as well as an independent investor who trades an awful lot online and has done well. Dave Portnoy joins us now to explain exactly what this moment means. Dave, this kind of gets to the heart of what you've been doing under quarantine. And I'm wondering what lessons we can draw from
11: this. What is happening exactly? You know, I've been trading heavily since quarantine started. and I was shocked by this. Uh, I personally did invest in AMC and Nokia. Those are two of the stocks that the Reddit guys and the Wall Street bets guys were pushing. I believed in the power of the internet. That's when I sure. saw what uh, Robinhood was doing, ironically, Robinhood take from you know take from the rich and give to the poor, even though they do the exact opposite. I was stunned. Uh, I think it's criminal. I think there has to be an investigation. I think people have to go to jail. Whether that actually happens, I don't know, but I've never been more convinced about market manipulation.
1: Wait a minute. Did he just ask for the Reddit guys to go to jail?
11: And the people, the hedge funds, controlling the game than today. I I mean, just to wake up and say, hey, you can't trade these stocks anymore. You can only sell them. We are going to intentionally crash the market in these stocks and everyone who has it, Tough, you're gonna lose a ton of money, but we're gonna save the rich people and the hedge funds. Shocking, like it
1: okay. So, okay, because I didn't watch this, I'm watching it with you, right? So, he's saying to get the other companies to go to jail for market manipulation because they're limiting the stock trades.
11: 20 years of me doing Barstool, I'm not exaggerating, it's the most shocked I've been, and maybe I shouldn't be, but you know. When you have AOC and Donald Trump Jr. both on the same right. side of an issue, you know something's dramatically wrong.
8: This seems like a p- betrayal of the basic promise of American public markets, which is their transparency, purely meritocratic. If you, I mean, that's why you've been able to make dough during quarantine. You make a bet, you're right, you win. I mean, how amazing yeah. is it to discover that that's not real?
1: You mean to discover that it's not a free market? You mean to discover? that they change the rules on you when it suits them? You mean to discover that um, there is actually one lawsuit that came out of New York, because guess what Robin Hood and other things were doing? They were selling people's stock without the people wanting to sell their stock. They were selling it off without permission. They were selling it off without permission, kind of like the shit they did to me in December. How does that feel? Because, you know, Crow is best served cold. I am now going to get an intermission in and we're going to listen to the song that set the tone for this week.
9: I can feel it coming in the air tonight Oh Lord I've been waiting for this moment For all my life Oh, Lord, can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Oh, Lord,
0: oh, Lord.
9: Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would lend a hand. I've seen your face before, my friend. But I don't know if you know who I am. But I was there and I saw what you did. I saw you with my own two eyes. So you can wipe up the grin at the way you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. And I can feel it coming in the air tonight, oh, Lord. I've been waiting for this moment through all my life, oh, Lord. Can't you feel it coming in the
1: air tonight,
9: oh, Lord.
1: Can you feel that? And you, like I said, this was going to be a week that you should feel it in the air coming. And we're doing the impossible now. It's not about setting the world on fire. It's about setting rain on fire, which is completely impossible in many mm, realities. But <laughs> Whoa, look at that. Look at that. They are begging, begging to hold people accountable for what they've done. Yeah, they're going to do it. They want punishment. They want to punish you. We've only just started. They want, see, here's the thing. You want to reset? Here it is. We're going to do it our way. And that's by eliminating you. And we've got another 20 what days to make it solid. And Ohio is going to be in the national news in about a week or so setting fire to something you would never expect putting people on their toes terrified what else the people can do they've trashed our market they made us poor they are writing to their ags they are still calling president trump president everyone's ignoring biden we've lost control even though the big corporations have come out like i told you last year Those are the people that really run the world. Why else will they have Bilderberg meetings and all these stupid G20s with companies? Because they picked, they select. I've told you that. I mean, I was told that by McCain himself. Oh, dear. We can't let people elect their leaders. That would be chaos. And everyone scuffed like, who is this newbie? (laughs) This newbie is very good at taking mental notes. Very good at paying attention. And this newbie loves crow. Loves to serve the crap out of crow. And here's where it is. And it's not coming in the form of a boulder. It's burning the floor underneath their feet so they have nowhere to stand. I mean, they're talking about, uh, what is it now? Isn't it the season where all the Hollywood people get together and they you know, pat each other on the back and look wonderful. Who's watching that? I don't even know when that's on. I know it's around this time, right? Because somebody died and they were doing tributes on on Twitter, weren't they? But like the president said, we haven't finished yet, right? Like he said, we haven't finished yet. No, we have not. No, we have not. Are you done? I'm not done. Here's where we start. You wanted to play? Okay. Thank you for playing your part in the script. Now, you need to follow the lines as we say. See, when you can predict how they will respond, it's a lot more fun. We predicted how they will respond, didn't we? Well, here it is.
3: Facebook, but you're seeing the, 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 the same situation. The, 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 at this point, it's not about an election. It's not about a, uh, an insurrection, but there are interesting things happening that, that seem to be spawned to some extent or at least, a, at least blown out of proportion by social media again,
2: Adina.
1: Well, I I do think, though, that as we look at these new technologies that are there available to everyone, including investors, I I think it's also important for regulators to understand that, you know, manipulation is manipulation, whether it's happening through a new technology
10: medium or it's happening through traditional mail. Uh, So I think it's just a matter of making sure that we understand what the behavior is, what's underpinning the behavior, and working appropriately with the regulators to...
1: Yeah, we need to see all the communications, internet, emails, U.S. Postal Service, so people aren't colluding. And if we hear about any underground meetings with people where they're discussing what they want to invest, we need to know about it because we're in charge here, okay? This is, this is you guys need to obey, okay? Peasants, don't sit there and try to overthrow us now. Are you hearing us? To to, uh, to manage the situation.
7: Yeah, you heard that correctly. The guy from CNBC, who hates regulation, is now calling for more regulation. (laughs) And the CEO of the head of one of the largest trading exchanges in the world is agreeing with him. Notice, when hedge funds manipulate markets, when they screw over regular people in different companies, when Wall Street requires billions of dollars in bailouts and floats from the Federal Reserve, there isn't any call for more regulation. But a couple of average Joes on the Internet make money at the expense of a billionaire hedge fund. Well, that just can't stand. And I'm not exaggerating here, just showing you one clip. The idea across the American elite right now is that what has happened with GameStop is unacceptable. Don't believe me? Check this out. As GameStop and other stocks soared, Arthur Levitt Jr., he decided to weigh in. And if you don't know who that is, it's the former SEC chairman who literally presided over the dot-com bubble and was appointed by Bill Clinton, who perhaps more than any president is responsible for much of the financialization of our economy beginning in his administration. Levitt wrote an op-ed in Bloomberg calling for a full agency investigation into online stock trading platforms and said that social media is taking advantage of users' behavioral psychology and pushing them into
1: dangerous territory. Okay, maybe. Oh, you mean that someone might have psyoped the Reddit guys and told them, hey, you know, Uh, you guys push Robin hood. I think you should use Robin hood and maybe do this because there's like a lot, you're going to make a crap ton of money. I mean, don't take my word for it because I'm not an investor. I'm just some average person on Reddit, just making it known to you. I I don't even know if you're going to read this message in December and see it because they're, they're, they're putting all this in and they're, they're, they're really shorting it, the crap out of it. And all of these too. I mean, here's a list. And someone PSYOP them to be like, damn, we can make some pretty coin. Like they did millions and millions of dollars. But uh, you mean uh, the elites can PSYOP the people to not see all the disgusting things they do, like what they do with children and how they screw everyone and how everyone has debt and how they want us to be obedient and how they're pretending to want to uh, have us in unity, yet they're pushing racism and racism. No one asks themselves, why is it, why is it that the Democrats and the Republicans, right, and silently, of course, want to control, you know, black and brown Americans? Why do they intentionally want to embrace them but keep them poor every single day, every single day? bashing us with shame for the skin color why and then and then all these ops and 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 cancel cultures and now you're upset that the tools that you've been using and deployed on the people are being used against you that's some uh, that's some really messed up stuff
7: i don't even really disagree with that but doesn't it just tell you everything that this is what they want to investigate now that this is what they want the government to do something about now Don't underestimate how mainstream this view is. Yesterday, the White House press secretary said Janet Yellen is, quote, monitoring the situation. Elizabeth Warren tweeted out that we needed more regulation. The state securities regulator for the state of Massachusetts said GameStop trading should be halted for 30 days. And the SEC now says they're working with regulators to assess the situation, review the activities, and other participants, like I said.
1: So what's freedom of speech? saying and expressing, well, what about this free market thing? So you're not allowed to buy anymore. They have the right to just flip the script on you and force sell for you. Yeah, because that actually happened. There's a lawsuit already out there against Robin Hood for force selling. A guy filed it. The guy tried to not sell, and he couldn't stop him. He filed a lawsuit. Good on him. That's how you do it. It's against Robin Hood. Brendan N- Nelson. You know, he filed the lawsuit and so he did good job on him. Good job on him. Ameritrade stopped. All the banks have stopped. Charles Schwab has stopped. Everyone has stopped. And they claim to provide everyone with access to the financial market. Yet, I'm going to show you what happened to people. Hold on. Before you, you see, you see what's going on. See, I knew this and it was like, you know, it's going to be painful, but the law is on the people's side. So they can't do anything about it. The law is on the people's side. You can't just change the rules because you lost money, Yellen. You can't just change the rules because you got broke. That's not how it goes. So here's the the um the complaint that was put in. Here's some highlights. Robin Hood is a California-based multi-billion. Dollar Financial Services Corporation that advertises its mission to provide everyone with access to the financial markets, not just the wealthy. On January 25th, 2021, Mr. Norvell relied on Robert Hood's advertisement of unlimited training trading to purchase stock at GameStop. Whoa. Important information. Hi. In light of the recent volatility, we are restricting transactions for certain securities to position closing only. However, due to the unreasonable risk involved in brokering your position, we have closed your 4,500 shares in GameStop for an average of $118.93. On the 28th of January, 2021, your trade confirmation will be made available. Someone said, I want to cancel the sell. We're sorry, this order can't be canceled. So they were selling people's stock. Without the people wanting to sell the stock, what? Ah, uh, that's actually against the law. But I digress. Right? They could do whatever they want because you know they're just in charge, right? This is what happens under a Biden administration, right? This is what happens. Wait, let's just listen to what President Trump had to say. Hold on about. Everything on the golf golf course. I just I just want you to hear the one thing he said. Hold on, let's see.
6: Mr. President, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. We haven't finished yet. Good, good.
1: We haven't finished yet. We haven't finished yet. You want to know what else is going to happen in a Biden administration? Yeah, here's what's going to happen. You're now going to be having, to be having anal swabs, just like the ones that you're going to see shortly on your screen at the airport, so they could check for COVID up your butt. Apparently, that's what they're doing in China. Get ready, take a look at what they do.
0: Okay.
1: So now they're going to be anal swabbing you because apparently passengers on a flight to Beijing were taken to a hotel where they were subject to anal swabs. Now, what would be the reasoning behind that? Well, we'll talk about that in a latter time when we get into the health talk, right? But apparently <laughs> now they're going to have the right to anal swab you. But you know, when you swab the anus, you're looking for cultures. So this is getting dangerous uh, on this bio-warfare step. There's something that they're not telling you, and we kind of mentioned it in March, but we'll leave it at that for now. So anal swabs will be coming under a Biden administration, just like they've stopped you from being able to trade. No free market for you. No free market for you. How dare you? And Pelosi made some really, 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 really insane comments. See, McCarthy and President Trump met together in Florida. And CNN had a lot to say. But what she said, the enemy is within the House. (laughs) No, girlfriend, it's the people that pay for the House. And they're called the people. But listen to this interaction, just, just so you can see where they're going
12: with all of this. He met with the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, today down at Palm Beach, uh, put out a statement afterwards. The Trump campaign put out a statement saying his endorsement means more uh, than perhaps any endorsement at any time. That's the former president of the United States talking about his own endorsement. Uh, What do you make of that?
13: Well, that picture speaks more than a thousand words. It speaks a million words. Look, the former president likes himself. Uh, there's no surprise there. That's not breaking news.
1: He's not the former president.
13: He thinks he's the most uh, powerful president ever. Uh, look, His political standing has been diminished significantly nationally. No, However, that picture tells you everything you need to know. Kevin McCarthy wants to be speaker. The Democrats have a very narrow majority in the House. Kevin McCarthy thinks kissing the ring and making this without a doubt the party of Trump going forward for the next two years is his path to the speakership. What is the effect of that? Wolf, you see it. You see
1: Sounds like they're scared, right?
13: See it in the conversation we're just having about Marjorie Taylor Greene. You see it today in Matt Gaetz, a rank-and-file Trumpy Republican member of the House from Florida, going to Wyoming in Liz Cheney's district, calling her corrupt, saying she's part of an insider club in Washington, saying Mitch McConnell is in the- Is
1: he saying like there isn't an insider club in Washington? Listen to them. They lost control.
13: Listen. That club too, a club he says is screwing the American people every day. So Kevin McCarthy- just.
1: Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, you can't get happy pens. China can switch your lights off and your internet, and you're not allowed to trade anymore because you're a peasant.
13: Not have control over his own caucus now because they know. By, and through his actions today, he supports this. They have one leader, Donald Trump. Period. Yes. Look at what happened today That's with Kevin what's McCarthy. Up. Watch what these House Trump-like, Trump-loving Republicans are saying in the House. Look at the test vote in the Senate yesterday. If you hear a Republican saying, we're trying to break from President Trump, just turn down the volume, because it's not a serious movement. It's his party, period.
10: And can I just can I just add that, you know, Kevin McCarthy had a phone call with his members yesterday where he said, cut out the crap uh, of fighting with each other. And then what did he do? He took sides today. He went to go see Donald Trump to tell him how much he loved him, to make sure <laughs> awesome that Donald Trump would welcome him back into the fold. Because remember, he went on the floor at one point and said that Donald Trump bears responsibility for January 6th, then he kind of took it back, but he took sides today. Matt Gates is free to do whatever he wants, um, and the president, uh, the ex-president, wants to see Liz Cheney kicked out of leadership. She will. Uh, McCarthy has said she ought to remain, but he has concerns about her. Let's see what he says when he comes back. He took sides today because he needs the money, because he wants to be speaker.
12: There are Republicans, though, uh, John, who agree with Liz Cheney uh, Uh, You know, who agreed with Adam Kinzinger, other Republicans who are saying the.
1: You mean Democrats, the ones that aren't getting our money? How many of you are being spammed by your GOP? Tons of you, right? You know what I'm doing? Delete, delete, unsubscribe. Delete, delete, unsubscribe. The GOP will never see a penny from me. A penny.
12: Former president has been a disaster for the Republican Party, uh, and they got to move on. They got to get new leadership, right?
13: Yes, there are, but they are a distinct minority. It's a handful, maybe a dozen members of the House. Ten House Republicans voted to impeach the president. There might be twice that many.
1: Yeah, and Congressman Gonzalez, you're so toast. Wait till you see what Ohio has in store. We're going to be working on this with my Ohio people this weekend uh, because I have a lot on my plate. Just as a person, I am spread so thin, it's ridiculous. Like, I can't even keep... I can't even... List on one, okay, if it was A4 pages that I wrote on, right? So one, two, three A4 pages worth of tasks that I did this morning before I started my show, okay? That's how much. I have so much going on. My fingers are in so many pies. I'm juggling so many balls right now, but we need to get this thing for Ohio, guys. This Q-horn is going to be insane.
13: Who will publicly say the party needs to at least distance itself from him but you just saw that vote, wolf, You know, 45 of the 50 Republican senators saying they don't wanna have an impeachment trial. Uh, you do have Republican governors like Larry Hogan of Maryland, uh, Charlie Baker of Massachusetts, but they're more centrist to almost liberal Republicans, moderate Republicans. This is Trump's party, plain and simple. And the calculation here is about 2022. You have a 50-50 Senate. You have the smallest house majority for the Democrats that we've had in some time. The Republicans think they can get power back, but they know they will not if they have the civil war. So those voices saying, Republicans need to make a 10 or a 20 year play here, look at demographics, look at college educated people, look at young people, look at voters of color. They're being drowned out by the people who are looking at 2022 saying Republicans can take back power, at least they believe they can, but they know to do that, they need Trump, period.
12: You know, Gloria, Kevin McCarthy was warned not to go down in Florida uh, with one source uh, telling us that it makes it look like he's, quote, crawling back to Trump. Uh, does the GOP see a path forward without Trump.
10: Well, uh, as you can see today from that picture, and I agree with John, it it tells you everything you need to know. No, they don't. Those are forced smiles there. And what Kevin McCarthy is doing is enabling Donald Trump and saying, you can still be our kingmaker. We want you to be our kingmaker. What we all know about. (laughs)
1: Let's stop right there. Let's talk about the plan. Here's what we're doing. Let me let me let me show you something. And someone actually sent this to me on email because you know what? Tori says listeners are woke. Do you see this guys um, that I'm gonna put on the screen right here? Hold on. This is the EAC. If you remember from my uh, affidavit in the courts, the problem that we had was that there was no certificate of accreditation of this company right here. This company right here has to be certified by, the EAC, in order to certify the machines, not the software, the machines. They haven't been certified since 2017 in February. So here's what we're doing in Ohio. And this is why anybody from Ohio listening better get into the Telegram Group Ohio. And I want you guys to step up. In Ohio, we have Q warrants. We are allowed to remove someone that has taken public office illegally. This, them taking office is illegal because they use machines that were not accredited by the EAC, as the law says. So, what we're going to do is a mass filing. So, everybody in that district, everybody in your, everybody in Ohio, you've got someone in your district that was elected that's mayor, state rep, state senate, we can file this. I am putting together the letter, it'll be a template. You'll just have to slot in the position and the date that they were elected and you file it in the court. We'll all pull together. We'll see how much it costs. I don't think it costs uh, much money. And if you put that you don't have enough money, I don't think they'll charge you. And all you say is, dude, you got elected in 2018 when the machines weren't certified by the EAC. Therefore, you illegally are in office and I'm taking your place because this is my district and see ya. So that's how we have to do it all over Ohio, not just in one place, all over. And we have to do it on the same day, all together, so that way we can crash the system. Because we need every other single state to do the same thing. But we could do it united. Put it down and say, you were elected in 2017, you're out. 2018, you're out. 2019, you're out. 2020, you're out. Because machines weren't, according to the HAVA Act of 2002, they were not certified. Look, they just put in to renew their accreditation in 2021, which means their previous accreditation, let me show you. Let me show you. Had them only accredited, oh, it swapped. Let me show you, because this isn't like, you know, I'm hypothetically speaking, or this is some straw man argument. This is legit. This is their certificate. It expired on February 24th, 2017. That means the election machines, the machinery, the hardware has not been certified by a certified authority according to the Election Assistance Commission. Therefore, any election after 2016 is null and void period period there is no if ands buts there is no uh, i don't know there's that's it period and i want to show you guys what they filed so that way if they delete the page we saw it on here i got it on video here's their memo we completed all the requirements to remain in good standing manual version blah 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 Grant accreditation is valid for a period of two years. They never got one. It's a two year certification. They just burned themselves with this letter. Ooh, you got caught. All, all positions throughout the whole United States that have been taken on from city council to mayor to state legislative, house, state house, state senate, executive senate, and house. We're all null and void, even president, because of this. This is the law, black and white. No court can say, well, there's no loophole. I looked at it. There is no loophole. So this is what the people of the United States have to get together and do. Now, a lot of people will say, well, what if they come up with something? That's what we want them to do. See, if we file in the state of Ohio for every single state legislature, for every single one of them, if we file, you're getting removed and I'm taking your place because I'm eligible, right? It's, it's done, it's done, it's done. They have to come back and say, why, you're wrong. Show me a certificate, you ain't got one. Therefore, the elections are null and void, you're all f- gone. And we have to do it statewide. It can't be, oh, just this one person, oh, just that. We all need to coordinate together and do it statewide and file it. This is legit. There is an act that was passed by Congress in 2002. It clearly states that the EAC has to certify you. It clearly states even in the document up on the screen right now that you're seeing that the expiration renewal, a grant of accreditation is valid for a period not to exceed two years. Think about it. If it expired in 2017, they should have had a renewal in 2017, right? Would last them until 2019. If they got it in 2019, that would last them into 2021. They haven't gotten any of them. It says it on their website. The last one they had was 2017. No one got it. And do you know how we can also prove that? Because the EAC didn't even have a freaking quorum. They didn't have a quorum means that they didn't do it. Laws matter in the court of law. And in the state of Ohio, guess what? You file this in the Supreme Court of Ohio. It's not like going to your district judge, some freaking clown that feels like they're a king in a local little piss contest. This is the Supreme Court. They have to take it seriously. And if all of us file in the state of Ohio on the same day next week, maybe next Friday, or at the latest, the Monday after next, right? If we all file at the same time and say, therefore I'm declaring possession of your position, the, the judge has to respond. That You can put in, quo warranto, Ohio law. It sells it out. This is all we have to do. And... And let's say it fails, that the Supreme Court comes back. They have to come back with an answer as to why. Why? Are you going to say that a congressionally passed act is not valid? Then then so do so. <laughs> then so do so, right? You got to put it in. Residents of Ohio, if you're in District 1, for example, and you've got someone that was elected in 2018 or 2019, Or 2020 or 2016, as your state legislator, you have every right to file a quo warranto and say, based on, well, I'll have the template document. I'm working on that, okay? I'll have the template document. All you'll have to replace is your district, the date that they were elected, the position, and then your name that says, because you have taken this office illegally, because the law, Congressionally passed Act says this, and the machines, the equipment was not inspected by a certified entity, I am taking your place. They have to answer. They have to answer. The law is the law. If the law says that this has to be done, then they need to produce a certificate or they need to produce legislation legislate. you can't just say something and say, "Oh, well, we normally do it like this." Nobody gives a shit what you normally do. It's a congressional act. You can't just like change shit on the whim because it's more comfortable. This went through Congress. This isn't like, uh, you know, an EO where you're like, "Well, we usually do business with the NIST." No, I could pay five hundred dollars to the NIST and they'll certify me and give me an ISO for blinking, you know, sideways or something. I could do whatever I want. The whole world gets NIST certification. They're not in the legislation. The legislation clearly says that the EAC has to certify the company that is certifying the equipment, and they have not done shit like that. That was in my affidavit. Why? Because I needed to block it. This is why these idiots now filed, hey, we need a research. No, bitches, you didn't have one, so you're done. You're done. And we're going to remove every single one of you. And if they come back with saying, oh, you know, Uh, you know, yeah, we didn't have the certification, but it was, you know, um, allowed because of this show us the, because of this, that's not a congressionally passed act. You're done because the judge has to stick to the law. The judge has to stick to the law. The law says this, how do you, how are you allowed to do this? Because, you know, when I brought this to someone, they were like, this is going to cause chaos. Good. We eat chaos for lunch. We love chaos. So all of us will do this and we'll do this with two things with the uh, you know, objective that we win, and then suddenly you're a state legislator, whatever, right? Because you've made claim to that seat. That's what it says in the Ohio Constitution. That's number one. Or number two, the judge says no, but then he's given precedent as to why he says no and how the state of Ohio's Supreme Court says that a congressionally passed act is not enforceable blah, 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 or whatever, because of this. Because then that, we can use that for Obamacare and a bunch of other crap that we want to get rid of. So we win either way. This is game theory in action. You got to do something to get a response, whatever that response may be. So every single state should be doing this. But I think if we organize together and we organize together to use the law and put it out there and demand control of our nation the way it was intended to, then so be it. So for all of you in Ohio that are in the Telegram group that we've been having there, I think the admins made that group months and months ago, right? The roll call. You get in there and, you know, whoever it is, you want to be county commission and you had a county commissioner come in and and you want to take that spot, take it. Board of, you know, Board of Education, take it. Step up. You'll just be slotted in because you're the one making claim to it. So let's do it. Democrat or Republican, let's do it. That's it. We've just screwed them all in one go. In one go. So I'll have that letter together. And Ohio's going to take this and light this. Because here's where it gets really sexy. We've already got issues with DeWine. Right? So we can do one for DeWine. But I don't know who wants to step up as governor. Like, I don't want that. I don't think I want even state. But you know what? It's going to be fun to do it for for the chick that's, you know, that's got Cleveland Congress here. I'll just take her spot. I don't know if I fulfill it, though, because I've only been here for a little over a year. I have to check it. But anybody wants it, I don't want a seat, actually. I'll be the worst thing. It'll it'll be the worst thing. I don't want to see it. You guys do it, and I will help you in every single way possible. You, you know, you can be a state legislator. Why not? You don't even need to be elected right now, because that clown was illegally taking the position. So according to the law, you can claim it. Period. That's the way the law is. I mean, you can't change the constitution, can you? So um, this is going to be a lot of fun because we all got to play our parts in the script to make the movie real, right? We got to get this movie out there. So this is how we do it. This is how we do it. I need to find a cover for for that. This is how we do it. That'll be our uh, thing um, next week. I'll find a cover for that. So um, what we need to do is file this. All of us have to file this and just fucking boom. And it's going to make national news. And what they're going to have to do is answer. Could you imagine the Supreme Court getting like a hundred filings in the same day for the same thing of quote warrantos i mean these laws that have been left undusted and unused for so long because no one's paying attention and then they paint it as straw man no man the ohio constitution has a whole thing on it and i'm sure every one of your states does too but see we don't pay attention to details and everybody can do it. So for those of you in other states, if you can organize, Ohio's pretty easy because we're very conservative in regards to how we move. And even the left has lost their mind, too, on what's going on. So you can get into the roll call groups. It's TTT Roll Call on uh, on Telegram. Find your state. Um, we also have TTT Roll Calls for countries, too. You guys... You know, your time is going to be in 2022, I'm telling you. So you guys are just massive global support right there, and we love it. So everybody has their own state. They have their own room. Uh, You know, obviously, there's a couple people that are moderating good because we don't need some random stuff. It's got to stick to what you're doing in the state. Um, I tasked the Ohio group to get a list, like a nice document list with the names and the dates that they were elected. Um, Maybe we could start with state uh, Senate and house. Uh, We can go into county commissioners. Uh, We could go into mayors as well. Uh, Whatever you want. If you're in a place in Ohio, any county you are, you don't like your, whatever it is, you could be mayor. You could be county commissioner. Let's remove them all, all of them. It's our, it's our state. It's ours. And this is how we do it. So that's going to be the anthem for next week. This is how we do it. So, um, for, for those of you that are on Twitch, we're going to uh, get ready for our raid, right? Um, but I want you guys to know that this weekend is going to be really busy. For those in Ohio, uh, those of you that are in other states, uh, I will uh, share the Dropbox link or where you guys can pull uh, information to do it yourself, but it has to be very well organized. I've been working on the Ohio thing for a while, uh, testing out some software. It's a little bit easier. Man, we're going to take them out so hard, they're not even going to know what hit them. And they're going to, their heads will spin because, like I said, you win either way. You win by them telling you you win, and you win by them telling you you lose because a judge can't just say, no, I'm just throwing this out. You can't ignore the Constitution of your state. And not only that, you got to give a response, and it's a formal response. And that presents precedence. So, precedence is very, very important. Hmm? So here's where it comes out. I mean, is it going to be something like uh, we're not going to allow people to exercise their constitutional right of quo warranto and challenge someone in public office that has usurped the government? And what are they going to say? Well, I didn't know, but I've been doing this job, so leave me here. I mean, how are they going to explain that one? That's what we have to think of now. Um, yesterday, when we did our Twitch raid, for those of you that are in YouTube, there's two channels. There's a Tory Says News and then Tory Says Show. Find the Tory Says Show because Tory Says News already has hits. And for those of you that are not on Twitch, I suggest you come on because we have a lot of fun uh, with um, raids. Yesterday, we raided a leftist. Um, you know, they were showing their hate, we were showing love. Uh, they wanted to talk about systemic racism, it was pretty interesting. Um, and I'm thinking maybe today we can get into like maybe hip hop or some really soy looking boy Friday madness um, in Germany. I don't know. Do we want to go to Germany? What do you guys think? So um, we're going to be rating now, guys. So for those of you on the other end, God bless you. I will see you guys. For those on Twitch again, we're, I'm going to see you on Sunday where we do movie night. Keep that in mind. We've got the ultimate power right now. And we're just about to flex that muscle next week. One, two, three, four. God bless
0: Now here you go again You say you want your free